food bloggers. Hi, how are you today? Thank you so much for tuning in to the Eat Blog Talk podcast. This is the place for food bloggers to get information and inspiration to accelerate your blog's growth and ultimately help you to achieve your freedom, whether that's financial, personal, or professional. I'm Megan Porta. I have been a food blogger for 13 years, so I understand how isolating food blogging can be. I'm on a mission to motivate, inspire, and most importantly, let each and every food blogger, including you, know that you are heard and supported. Branding is a topic, a concept that we are very familiar with in our space here in food blogging, but I bet you have never thought of it in the way that Shannon Peel presents it in this interview. Shannon is from Market Appeal Agency, and she brings a really cool perspective about how to create and define a brand story that defines who you are and also who your audience is. She talks through a handful of ways to do this, including finding your core values, determining your voice, mapping out a digital footprint, and so much more. This conversation really got my wheels turning on the topic of branding, so I think you'll find this to be a really intriguing conversation. It is episode number 489, sponsored by Rank IQ. Are you tired of falling through the cracks as a seasoned food blogger? It's just assumed that once a food blogger gets to a certain number of years or a certain level of traffic, that they don't need resources or direction any longer. We're good, right? No, we're not good. This couldn't be further from the truth. Seasoned food bloggers need guidance and relevant information too. There are ways to find the guidance and support we need, such as high-quality mastermind groups and retreats, but if those options don't align with your budget or your schedule, then you're kind of out of luck. We are relegated to sorting through all the information in Facebook groups when we don't know how trustworthy the sources of information even are. All of this is exactly why my friend Melissa, the blogger behind Mama Gourmand, and I have decided to put together a workshop-style summit geared specifically toward advanced food bloggers. We are gathering no more than 50 people in Denver, Colorado in May 2024 to give monetized food bloggers the love and support they need and deserve. Go to flavormediasummit.net to get all the information you need about speakers, dates, our vision for the event, and to fill out an application. This experience is going to be highly valuable and one of a kind. We cannot wait to see some of you there. Many of the spots have already been taken for this event, so if this is intriguing to you, fill out an application today. Go to flavormediasummit.net, follow the link to tickets and application, and apply today. Shannon Peel has over 30 years experience in marketing, sales, advertising, and storytelling. Due to her insatiable curiosity and desire to learn new things, Shannon has a unique skill set enabling her to see how all the pieces of a brand story come together to guide an audience from brand awareness to brand advocacy. She recently published her interactive multimedia digital book called Brand Appeal, brand storytelling in the digital age filled with videos, podcast episodes, and downloadable workbooks to help small businesses define their brands and create content to tell their stories. Welcome, Shannon. How are you today? I'm doing really well today. How are you? (laughs) I'm doing well also. Excited to chat about brand stories and how this can positively impact food bloggers' businesses. Mm -hmm. But first, we would love to hear if you have a fun fact to share about yourself. Well, let's see. I live in beautiful British Columbia, west coast of Canada. 
and I have the best life because I've got a, you know, I've got my place down in town, Vancouver. I visit my brother in Whistler, visit my parents in the Okanagan. You cannot get a better life than that. Oh, I love that. I have the best life. I think we should all be saying that about our lives, right? Mm -hmm. That's such a great thing. And how funny that I've interviewed at least two people from Canada today. I think maybe a third. So that is pretty unusual, but go Canada. (laughs) (laughs) We are different than our cousins from the South, but... (laughs) In the best way. You guys are amazing. I love Canadians so much. Love it. We are different, but we do have... Those core values are still so important between both Canada and the States and having that the largest undefended border. It's a reflection of how we can have two, the big brother and the little brother and still be peaceful. Yes. Oh my gosh. That was so well said. I love that. So you are going to talk about business brand storytelling. And just to give people a little bit of background about yourself, do you want to talk about your business and how you became interested in this topic? Sure. I started Market Appeal quite quite a while ago. And it was a marketing agency that was meant to tell other people's stories to the marketplace. And I quickly found out that the part that I really enjoyed was helping people to define what they wanted to be known for. Because although they were in business, although they were creating social media, blogs, all that information on their digital footprint, their stories were getting lost. Who they were and what they did got lost, mainly because our brand story online are sound bites. And if the audience isn't going from one soundbite to the next, they only get a piece of the story. It's like reading a book, reading the first couple pages, reading the middle pages, reading the last page, and then creating a book report on what the story is about. That is how your brand story is being read by the online world. So I started to go more into storytelling, how people tell their stories, how people consume stories, interact with each other, interact with brands, what makes connection, what makes us click. And it's been a really amazing, interesting journey into that world. So it's it all started because people just didn't know the answer to what do you want to be known for? Hmm. And you work with people from all niches, I assume? Yeah. So I work mainly with professionals and smaller businesses who want to define their brand and connect with their audiences in any English speaking country. So, I mean, as much as I would love to utilize my French, my French is so bad. So I have to remain (laughs) English. (laughs) Yes. So you've said the term brand story a few times. I don't think that's something that we've thrown around in our niche necessarily. Like we've heard creating a story, you know, defining your brand, but I don't think we've used that together. So how would you define brand story? Well, brand story is the content that you are creating. It's about who you are, but it's also about who your audience is. So there's multiple ways for you to tell your brand story. First, you start with defining it, like who are you? What are you at the core? And that means figuring out what your real values are and not just the values that you're that sound nice, but the values that drive your behavior and your decision-making, especially in stressful times, because that is how you present to the marketplace. 
So understanding yourself is important. Then being able to tell the marketplace that's who you are is the next step in that. And that is how when you use storytelling, when you use the beginning, middle, end, conflict, curiosity, voice, and really trying to build that anticipation to connect with your audience, it helps. Like, we're all brands. We used to we used to call it reputation, but now we call it a brand. And if you think of the characters that you watch on TV or that you read in books, they're all brands. Each character is telling the story of who they are to their audience. And that's what you're doing with your brand story. You're just basically telling people who you are. And that's the first part of brand storytelling. And all you're going to do is be talking about I. I did this or I did that. And I learned this and I learned that. It's all about telling stories in the first person. The other side of that is when you are a brand selling something, you have to be able to tell your customers or your audience their story to them and present your solution as an option for them to choose. So brand storytelling isn't just talking about who you are. It's also talking about what your product can do to help others but you have to be able to bring them into that story by telling the story in the second person. And that's where I, that's where I specialize. Okay. That's so interesting. So how do we start with this? I think this is something that we do a little bit naturally mm-hmm. as entrepreneurs. We kind of tell people who we are in many ways, but do you have kind of a breakdown about how to do this if we feel like maybe we're questioning, <laughs> have I been doing this or how do I do this? Well, yeah. One of the first things I tell people is find your core values. So find your find five core values that are yours. Now, first thing is to pick five values. And there's lists out there with all the values and you go through and you can check mark them off. I do have something on my website to help you or in brand appeal. The second piece of that though is now that you may have three to five values picked, define those words. What do those words mean to you? And this is where you can create content that you can then share on social media because you are creating what that word means to you. And why does that word mean that to you? So courage may mean something to one person, but it means something completely different to the to another person. The English language, because we've learned it as natives, we don't learn it by, by reading a dictionary. We just naturally learn it. So the definition of certain words, although it's similar It's not always the same. And that's how we get miscommunication and misunderstanding. So first figure out what that definition is. Then figure out, okay, who do I know that possesses that value? How do I know that they possess that value? And write a story about that person expressing that value and why you know that that person may have integrity. That person has integrity because they do, they arrive to every meeting on time. Or that person has the value of family because they put their family before everything else. And I can see that in what they do because instead of working overtime, they go home and take their kids to their hockey game. You know, I like my brother, I know my brother puts family first because he will drive two hours to take his kid to hockey three times a week and work is secondary to his priorities in the fact of his choices he makes every single day. And I can see that in how he interacts with his son and his wife. Now, how 
so once you've done that, then do it for yourself. Now, how do you elicit that value or how do you exemplify that value in your day to day? Because a lot of times what we think we know is our value, it isn't really. And until you go through that, that exercise, you don't really know what value you have, what the definition of it is, how you see it out in the world, how others see it in you, then you can really understand who you are and what you stand for. And once you have all of that, you can start telling stories around those values, share quotes on social media around those values, focus uh, your content around those values so that you attract people who share those values because we intrinsically trust people who are like us. Now, in a world of diversity and multicultural, like I'm a Canadian, I live in Vancouver, multicultural is, you know, we have people from all over the world living in Vancouver to the point where, you know, like if you want to go to China, you go to Richmond because all the signs are in Mandarin and you can sit there and people are all talking Mandarin and you feel like you're in a foreign country or Surrey, you go there because everything is in India. So we have these large huge diverse groups in Vancouver. Now I can look at them and say, okay, I don't feel connected to them. I don't feel like I want to go talk to them or something because they look different from me. Think about walking into a room of a bunch of different people that you don't know. Who's the first person that you go talk to? Is it somebody that looks like you or is it somebody that looks different from you? Usually the answer is that somebody that looks like me because we feel most comfortable with people who look like us. To break that, to create connection with people who aren't like us, we have to start going beyond our culture or ethnicity or facial color or gender by talking about what we value, what is important to us. And when we do that, we start attracting people who share those values. And as we share, they come to us and share those values, they will feel connected to us regardless of our gender, our race, or our sexual orientation. If we focus on our stories, and that's how you can build out your audience, go beyond the the label, go beyond women, go beyond your country as a definer of your audience is by getting closer to who you are. Food bloggers, it's it's natural. You're talking about food. And when you talk about the food that you like, you attract people who like that food regardless of where they're from. So that is a natural way to embrace more people than just a narrow audience. I love that you talked about translating it into real world situations because we can define values and pull out words like, oh, I'm, you know, courage, love, whatever, kindness. But then, yeah, like you said, that can mean so many different things depending on your own experiences and perspectives. So to say like, oh, what, how do I define, define what courage actually means? Well, it means this. Then you can translate that into actual stories Mm -hmm. that you can incorporate into your writing or to your messaging. That is so powerful. I love that so much because we do a lot of our content is writing. Mm -hmm. We, yeah, we tell stories all the time. So we need to make sure that we're aligning those stories with what we actually believe in. And who you are. And because it's easier to connect with an audience when they feel connected to you. And if you if you make a mistake, the an audience that feels connected to you is easier to for, will easily forgive you than an audience that doesn't feel connected to you. Mm, 
Yeah, that's powerful. And like if you have something to offer too, they're more likely to trust you mm. and to maybe purchase from you. Or if you start something else, they're going to follow you over there. They're going to um, kind of be your super fans, right? Exactly. And once you get your super fans, that's a, an easy way to grow your business because then people are sharing. And most people are friends with people who are like them. So it's just easy. It makes it easier for you to share and grow an audience that is going to identify with you because it's all about that. We, the movies that we like, the characters that we want to follow on TV or in our books, it's all about whom we relate to. If we relate to them, we want to know more about them. We, we feel something for them. And we feel empathy. We start to feel empathy. And that's really where storytelling comes in, especially if you're talking about vulnerable storytelling and getting into those places where you're talking about the mistakes you made, your weaknesses, your errors. You have to be very careful that when you're telling those kind of stories, you elicit empathy and not sympathy. Sympathy will slap you in the face. Empathy, your audience will come with you. Okay, so how do you differentiate? Those. Okay. So first things that you need to do is determine why are you telling that vulnerability story? What do you want the audience to do? How do you want them to feel? Are you looking for sympathy? And be extremely honest with yourself. If you're feeling really bad at that moment and you want people to feel sorry for you, don't write the story because it will come across as you wanting sympathy. And sympathy is, uh, you know, something happens to someone else. We feel bad for that person, but it's more out of, there's a lot of fear in it as well. We're scared that that person, okay, that person just lost somebody. There's been a death in the family. We have sympathy for them. We send them a sympathy card. We bring over a casserole. We go to the funeral, but we don't want to sit with them too long because we're scared that their bad luck will rub off on us and we'll feel worse. We want to get on with our lives. Empathy is when somebody sits there at the funeral after the funeral and holds the hand and just quietly listens to the person and is there and holds space because we truly understand and truly care. So you want to be able to tell that story in a way that doesn't doesn't elicit of any sort of fear in your audience, any sort of pushback, any sort of oh I feel sorry for you. You want to elicit understanding and reaction of identifying. So you want to be able to tell that story from a place of strength. Okay, so you lost somebody, you had that grief, this is this is how you dealt with the grief. You really feel bad for this reason because this person was really important to you and why was that person important to you and but you were able to move on and you were able to go beyond that because this other person maybe stepped up or you found a tool that worked for you, whatever solution you found and you offer up that solution, then people can empathize with you without fear because they're not feeling like you're wanting sympathy. They feel like you're really telling a story of vulnerability that they can understand, but they don't have to, there's no risk. There's no risk for them as an audience. They don't have to feel that feel bad for you. They can hope with you. They can, because you, what you want to elicit is that is that feeling of hope in your audience, that feeling of, yeah, I could do that too. If that happened to me, I could be like that. And they, they admire you for going through it. Mm. 
So really like a tone of hope and love versus the fear, which I think we can all discern as just humans. Fear and pain, you know. Right. Fear and pain. It feels good to talk about things that involve hope and love. It doesn't feel good to talk about the fear and pain part. <laughs> so, But when you want to post some about things like your, you know, your boyfriend broke up with you and you just, you feel so bad. You want people to feel bad for you, to feel bad with you. That yeah. when you want people to feel bad with you, you want people to feel some sympathy for you. That's not good for your brand. Right. That's, yeah, that's a good description. Yeah. But that's something you feel too. Like when you prepare to say something or write something, you, you can kind of feel the feeling behind it. You know, whether it's meant for good or bad. I think most of us can anyway. And I encourage people to write. Like if you're feeling bad, like your boyfriend just broke up with you and you feel horrible, write about it in your journal. And then yeah. you can go back to the, what you wrote after the feelings of that feeling of pain is gone or at least dampened and you can go back to it and then you can write your hero story. When you write from that place of pain, you write a victim story. When you're able to get through that pain and then write about the story, you write a hero story. You're using hero language and exemplifying hero behavior instead of that victimization. Woe is me. I feel bad because that happened to me. It's a difference in how you, you talk. It's a difference in, in the vocabulary that you use, the behaviors that you exemplify, the decisions that you make are all based on whether you're you're the hero of the story, the victim of the story, the villain of the story, or the viewer of your story. And these are all things that I, I kind of go into when talking to people who are trying to reframe in order to recover from trauma. And we talk about, okay, so you went through this really bad time and now you can't seem to get a break and all, all you seem to be attracting is more of the same. Why is that? Probably because of the way you're telling your story, the way you are exemplifying yourself to the world outside. And I know this because I went through that. I did that. You know, when I'm going through my divorce, I used victim language. There was pictures of me with, you know, it was, I was just attracting more and more bad to my life because of the way I was telling my story. And I told that because I saw myself as the victim. So, you know, everyone has to go through that victimization after a breakup or a death or something. But at some point you have to say, okay, you know what? I'm ready to be the hero of my story now. How am I going to change how I portray myself to the world and the language that I use in order to show people that I am trustworthy, that I am interesting, that I am competent. Because when we're in that victimhood, they don't see us as those things. Wow, that was really powerful. I loved that. There's so much truth to that, right? The way you think about and talk about yourself, that really does translate over into your life and the way the way things come to you and the people you attract and everything. Even if you're writing about what you ate, you know, it just comes out in you, yeah. in the words that you use. Yeah. Okay. So back to your, find your five core values and then, you know, go through that process of defining and thinking through that, maybe writing through it. Is there anything else beyond that to define? Yeah. So the next thing you're going to want to do is, you know, that, that that's when the ca content calendars, you know, you start creating your content calendars but you got to understand, okay, when I look at the content that I'm creating, how does that reflecting on what I 
on the core of what I wanted everyone to know about me. And it can get kind of boring. And you can be thinking, okay, I'm just saying the same thing over and over again. Well, on social media, you can understand that your audience may see one to 2% of what you actually post. So you can repost things over and over again. When it comes to your blog, you know, you're going to be talking about different types of food as a food blogger. You can be talking about different meals, different things. But at the core, what voice do you want to have? Do you want one of excitement? Do you want one of, do you want to be very knowledgeable? Do you want to be more of a, have a professional buttoned up approach? Or do you want to be more scientific in how, in how you go at your, your writing of your food? Let's take a really quick break, friends, to chat about Rank IQ. Rank IQ is a powerful keyword research tool made just for bloggers. You have heard me talk about this keyword research tool before, and I'm going to keep talking about it because it works. I have seen steady organic growth on my food blog for the past two and a half years, and the top reason for that is because I have prioritized running all of my content through this tool. Here is why Rank IQ works. Number one, Rank IQ provides great ideas about new articles to write and ways to rewrite existing content. I always find ideas that I never would have found on my own. Two, all of the keywords in the database are handpicked, so you won't find keywords in the tool that do not have the potential to rank well. Three, the Rank IQ Optimizer is my favorite optimizer I've ever used. It provides a comprehensive list of words and phrases that could help each post rank. And four, the keywords you find are low competition keywords with high search volume. I have found that the lower you go with these numbers, the more likely you will shoot up toward the top of Google, and it does not matter what your domain authority is. Check it out for yourself by going to rankiq.com. Now back to the episode. Determining your voice is very important because it'll come across in everything that you do. And if you move away from that. Like if you're someone who is more professional and buttoned up and then all of a sudden you're talking really casual and you're swearing and this and talking about this and that and hey, I had fun, it's not going to come across to your current audience right. They're going to feel that there's something off because you're out of pattern. You're out of expectation. So determine what you want your to be expect what your audience is going to expect from you. And try to stay on topic. Now, your writing will evolve, your brand will evolve, your language will evolve. But at the core, you are either someone who's serious or someone that's, you know, thinks swearing's okay, or you're somebody who is just more scientific in what they do. And if you can stay within that, your audience will always feel that comfortable coming back to you. Think about the TV shows that you watch, they have a formula. You know, you may be watching NCIS LA. They always have a, a car chase, something blowing up, and a gun battle. And it's always in the same, almost always in the same order. And that's how these stories kind of get boring. Like if you binge watch a TV show, it can get kind of boring after a while because you're seeing the same stru- story structure over and over again. NCIS all of a sudden became more like Three's Company its audience would turn away from it because it's not what they expect. And it's the same with your blog posts. Your your people are coming because they're expecting a certain result. So you have to make sure that you're always giving that result. The other thing you got to do is map out your digital footprint. Where are you telling your story? Where does your ideal audience hang out? 
So if you already know what your ideal client looks like, and you maybe you have a few of them that you really kind of know already, I know it's harder for bloggers to know their ideal audience, but if you have people engaging with you already, go do a little bit of sleuthing, do a little bit of uh, cyber stalking, Google them, see where else they are. What else are they talking about? What else are they engaging with? And that will help you to, to evolve your content to meet them more of their needs and also to go and meet them in those other places that they're at. You can also ensure that with a map that you know how that person is going from seeing you as a for the first time to then coming through that marketing funnel or that client journey to understand, okay, this is where they're at. Now, how are they going to go from social media to my blog? Well, what steps are going to have to take place? What calls to action are going to have to be there? How am I going to bring them through that to get to that story? So all of that kind of has to be done in order to bring people through to you and then have them stop because you know that you're going to be engaging them in the way that they like to be engaged because you've seen what else they engage with and you've seen those ideas and you've brought them in and made them your own. This is hard to do, I think, to step back from your business and take the journey from the perspective of one of your users. Yep. I don't know. It's it's really difficult for me to do that. I can do it really easily for somebody else. Mm-hmm. But do you suggest having other trusted people do this for you or help you with it? Yes, okay. most definitely. If you've got a group of bloggers together, you know, ha- ask them to go and be, hey, you know, here's... How did you find me? Where did you find me? But then have them go through and do a brand audit. Like I do brand audits where I will go and I don't want to know anything about the company that I'm doing a brand audit for because I am going out there onto the digital footprint, searching them, seeing where they're at, and then trying to follow the breadcrumbs to their buy button. And if I can't, if there's a gap, if there's all of a sudden I'm, I'm having to do a Thelma and Louise off the Grand Canyon because there is no no bridge, I'm going to be looking for the next off-ramp. Mm-hmm. And now I, there's the danger of me finding a, your competitor because then I'm no longer on the path to your buy button because I don't know where to go. Because it's not easy. you got to make sure that people are able to identify those gaps because they don't really know enough about you to know exactly where you're at but they can go out and they can search it and try to go through all the, the steps to find you. As is, If you have a group of bloggers, that is an awesome project to do as a group. Yeah, that's a really good idea. So after we map out our digital footprint, is there anything after that? So now you have a ton of content. If you're like me, you have lots of content. And I mean, possibly you have done videos and podcasts and written and now you have all this content and it's hard to organize you know we use tags but your audience may not come in and click on that the tag button to go and find other things they'll just go back to google you don't really want them to do that so how can you create a piece of work that will guide them from one thing to the next a lot of people put hyperlinks on words in their blog, mainly for SEO, not for people to go from one blog post to the next. 
So I would encourage you to look at your blog post, look at your content, find all your content, and then create an outline as if you were, were creating a book. And where can you plug in all of your blogs? Where, how would you organize them? Then you can create on your website, you can create an index that helps people find stuff. What I do, though, is I create multimedia interactive digital books. And these are fun because you can embed the video. You can embed the podcasts. Your articles are written. It's like a book. They just flip the book, flip each page, and they read through all your posts just as if it was a book. But the thing is, is if there's a video that goes with that chapter, they can watch the video or the podcast that goes with that chapter. And now you can add links to other blog posts or add links so they can go through the journey of the book on their own. Choose your own adventure type of journey through your book. But they're seeing how your content can relate to each other. Plus, you're seeing it because a lot of times we write our our blog posts and we're not really understanding how all of that body of work comes together and can tell one story. Yeah, we create so much content and we put it out and just kind of assume that it's going to be fine. It's going to find its way to the people who need it. It doesn't. It doesn't. Well, not always, but sometimes we just need to repackage it and make it like a neat little gift to offer up to people. And I love that idea of doing an interactive book and choose like choose your own adventure type thing. Oh, what a great idea. Yeah, and then from there, you're able to then create this, like what I do is... I bring experts and we talk about a topic and then I create the book around it. From there, I create an e-newsletter, a year's worth of e-newsletters that drive people back into that book. So they come to the book, they open it up, they click, they give me the email, their email and stuff because they want to go through the book. And now they're going to get email one, email two, email three, once every two weeks. And they're going to all start at email one, whether they've looked, found the book today, found the book six months ago, or find the book a year from now. It's always, they always start at one. And each newsletter is designed to not only drive them back into the content of the book, but gives them new tips and ideas that weren't in the book, as well as a social media post that they can go and comment on, on a group, on like a social media group that's all my website and become part of a community that way. So there's lots of different things that you can do. You know, there's a lot of Web 3.0 sites out there that do that, that will help you organize your content and connect with people through newsletters and stuff like that, like Mighty Networks. It's all to help you organize. Yeah, all that content we have, right? (laughs) Yeah, because you, you all have a book. Many books. You all have many books, right? So why not repackage them? And offer them up to your audience in a book form with extra content in that book. Yeah, absolutely. I love this. My wheels are turning. I have, I mean, between my podcasts and my blogs, I have so much that could be repurposed and revitalized and just packaged in a different way. So mm-hmm. love that. Yeah, because when I did my podcast, when I started my podcast, I did 100 episodes in 100 days. And then I was like, okay, so how can I organize these so that people can find the podcast that they want to listen to? Because the podcast system out there doesn't do it. It's like, here's the latest one, here's the latest one. And it's just not there. So I created 
this interactive digital book with, hey, here's my guest, here's an interview. I asked my guest a few personal questions you can read about. Oh, and here's click play if you want to hear the, the podcast. So it enabled me to organize all my different podcast episodes based on topic. Mm, I need to do that. I've known that for a while, but oh goodness. Yeah, this is a big project that I need to dig into in 2024. I think it would be good for just decluttering my own brain, but also so beneficial to my audience. Yeah. And there's, um, I have a course that kind of, it's more holding your hand and going through the process. And, mm-hmm. but like in three days, you have it all, all organized, all figured out. Oh. And it's just done. Amazing. But it's, you focus on three days of your content for, for three days and you are repurposing or not repurposing, you are recategorizing everything. Oh my gosh, I need that. <laughs> and then you have to figure, okay, so how am I going to share this? Am I going to share this as an index on my website? Am I going to share this as special pages on my website? Or am I going to create a bigger work through yeah. another platform? Yep, that's exactly what I need. All right, after thinking through content, is there anything else for defining our brand stories? You know, you're going to want to come back to it every once in a while to make sure that you're on target or that you're on brand. You know, you can create a brand guide where you have identified, this is my voice, this is the fonts that I use, this is my colors, this is the my mission statement, my vision statement, this is what I want to be known for. So, I mean, a brand guide really lets, is a, is a piece of work that you create where you can give it to all your employees and they go, okay, if I'm creating something, here's a brand. This is, it gives them all the information that they need in order to create content for you or interact with customers. That's what big companies use to communicate inside their organizations about who they are and how they want to be represented. You can, you can do that. You can do that yeah. and then go back to your content and make sure that you're on brand. And if you're not on brand, maybe rewrite it and repurpose it. Thing is, is that something you wrote 10 years ago can be repurposed to today. Absolutely. And what lessons did you learn from the past to today? I mean, I've got a blog post that I, it's more of a personal blog post that I wrote during my victim time. And I rewrote it afterwards and was able to update and say, you know, this is, it was about the empty nest. You know, my kids had just left and I was really feeling abandoned and I was really in a bad place at the time and mainly why they left. (laughs) I, it was just written from a point of victimhood. But I was able to then take that, rewrite it from a hero point of view and add to it, you know, this is how wonderful my kids, you know, they went out, they they did this, they did that. I'm I'm fine. We've got a better relationship and all of the things that I learned from the process. So you can go back into your past, bring out something and go, wow, I've grown this much since then. And this is what I learned over that time. Oh my gosh, I love doing that. Seeing old writing and you're like, wow, I really have changed. This is an opportunity to, you know, show some maturity here and <laughs> infuse. Yeah, well, it's funny because I was what I spent all day just copy pasting emails and other things. So when I'm doing, you know, mindless work, I will put on Netflix or in this case, it was Prime and watch something. I was watching Cheers from the ni- early 1980s. Oh, yes. You know, that's when I, those are my teen years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Big hair and everything else. And I'm watching the, the, you know, these, these old TV shows 
and the topics that they were talking about and really realizing how far we have come as a society since that time. You know, one of the episodes was about the fear of having gay guys in the in the bar because then it would become a gay bar and the gay bashing that went on and the fear around that. And now today, how different we are and, you know, mm, people are getting yeah. married and we're accepting and we no longer have don't don't ask, don't tell. And even the military is getting more accepting. That's happened in my lifetime. And just right. to see the difference between what it was the fear and remember that remembering the fear because it was a time of AIDS, right? So everybody was afraid of a certain of that that cohort in our society, and how far we've come since then. And just it, it's a story in itself. Yeah. So if you can go back to your blog posts and say, "Oh, we used to think that this ingredient was really cool, but you know what? Now we have this other ingredient that's really cool." Or I've learned a new cooking method. Or yeah whatever, like insert how far you've come. Yeah. People like to hear those stories too. Mm -hmm. It's inspiring. They are inspirational stories. Definitely. So agree. Anything else we should know about defining our brand stories? At this point, I think it's more Q&A. If anybody wants to, you know, ask a question or anything, they can always reach me at my website, but it's, you know, telling your own story now becomes a personal thing. I will, I do want to talk maybe a bit about the difference between telling a personal brand story and an experiential brand story. Okay. Because your personal brand story, that's mainly what I've been talking about this whole time, is how to tell your story. And you use I. So it's like I'm standing on stage and I'm telling you all about myself, my brand, and the product that you can buy or how I'm going to solve your problem. It's all about me. And the audience only knows what I tell them. They don't know anything else except the details that I tell them. The... Other type of story that you really need to tell as a blogger, especially if you're trying to sell a product or solve a problem, is what I call experiential brand storytelling. And this is when you as a narrator are telling your audience their story to them and then offering up your product as a solution to choose. This is a very different. You're utilizing you language to create an experience, a shared experience that your audience can identify with, put themselves in that position, feel the pain of the problem that they're having, and then saying, okay, now I'm offering up option A. And if you take option A, you're going to get this result, which is what your audience really wants. A good example of this is, it's a commercial. It's, it's writing commercials. It's how you write commercials. But if you take a Coke commercial from the 80s and where they're showing people on the beach and it's hot and, you know, the heat waves are coming up and there's nothing to drink and you can see everyone's just tired and not very happy. And there's a long lineup but at the concession stand, but they don't really have, maybe they, they've closed or something. Then all of a sudden, the Coke truck comes up with a with coolers of ice, and in that ice are bottles of cold Coke. And now people on the beach all are drinking Coke, and the, we've got sprinklers going on. They're maybe jumping in the in the water. Everyone's happy and having a good time. 
it's the same idea where you're you're telling your your audience you are experiencing this you feel this you want that well guess what you here's an option and now you're going to have that result it's not an easy formula because basically you are like let's say you have 100 people listening to you you're standing on stage there's 100 people in the audience and you go tell an exp- experiential story you now have to tell the enough detail to guide people through the story but you don't know the whole story each individual in the audience is filling in the gaps each individual in the audience knows the whole story and they experience the story as you guide them through it and you're utilizing you and you're connecting with your audience because you're saying you have this you are in your backyard the kids are playing Um, you know, one asks you for a popsicle. Do you have one? Or like, you you just tell the story of explaining them in that position. It's not easy to do. It's one of my superpowers. I mean, you know, I know it doesn't sound like it at the moment, but (laughs) when I'm talking to people and I'm asking them, okay, so what problem do you solve? How do, how does your audience feel when they're in the middle of that problem? How can they, what is their real pain? Then we construct this story around that experience and they explain how this solution is going to make their lives better. Yeah, that's really good. This is a definitely a unique perspective on branding that I think we've ever presented here on the podcast. So, so appreciate your perspective and it's just been lovely listening to you talk about it. So thank you for all of this, Shannon. Well, I hope it's been helpful. You know, it's, and it can be done in your blog, you know, like, yeah. Because in your blog, you may be talking about food, but you're talking about yourself and how you relate to that food, how how interesting it is for you and why you, you know, and that is going to attract the right audience. And then you have this new product that you may want them to buy. Well, they're going to be experiencing the same pain that you experienced. And that product is going to solve that problem the same way it solved the problem for you. And if you can put yourself in their position and really feel what they're feeling, then you'll have more success. That's the magic right there. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Well, thank you so much for your time today. We really appreciate you and all the value you've shared. I like to ask my guests as we end if they have either a favorite quote or just words of inspiration to share. One of the things I like to iterate to people is the intent of your story does not matter. What matters is the interpretation of the story. So never forget that. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Love that so much. We'll put together show notes for you, Shannon. If you want to go look at those, you can head to eatblogtalk.com forward slash market appeal. And appeal is A-P-E-E-L, a play on your last name, I assume. Yes, it is. Yes. When your last name is a noun and a verb, you, yes, you, get, you get the benefit. <laughs> Absolutely. So tell everyone where they can find you and anything you have going on right now. Well, you can find me at marketappeal.com and or shannonpeel.com. And well, shannonpeel.com is a is a portfolio of my work. So if anyone like for that I send out for people who are looking for freelancers, but it might give you an idea of that interactive digital book that I was talking about and how maybe you can create something to showcase your work utilizing that those those platforms. Awesome. Everyone go check that out. And thank you so much for listening, food bloggers. I will see you in the next episode. 
Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Blog Talk. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd be so grateful if you posted it to your social media feed and stories. I will see you next time.